You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 84 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, coming at you live from New York City, as always. And with me today, we're going back to the old school, back to the original style. It is your favorite co-host, Khan Bayazit, coming in from Belgium. How you doing, man? A little tired, uh, but we wanted to get this episode out uh, on time, on, in a timely manner before our next yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> And of course, uh, uh, the Europa League draw is uh, on Friday. Um, Travels on Sport playing on Thursday, so probably by the time you're hearing to the listening to this, um, they'll be, you know, late Wednesday or, or Thursday. So hopefully, Travels on do well, get there, get to qualify. So they're in the Europa League too. And then there's four uh, Turkish clubs in uh, in, the, in the group stages of uh, European football this year, and hopefully uh, they'll do well, and we'll get to know our opponents. I'm very excited to see who we play in yeah. the Europa League this, no, this season. Is, it's uh, as as has been the tradition of late. It's it's coming together late, the whole roster, but it's coming together. I guess the the difference this time around is that it's coming together quite nicely. Uh, some pieces that are. Uh, young and we could be seeing for some time to come so uh, it's it's been a weird summer uh, but yeah sure enough um, big news on the horizon and it would be unprecedented I think to see so much of Turkey represented in, in Europe uh, lately that has not been the case with some of the usual favorites ducking out early losing to, to weird sides like Ostersons and the like so uh, yeah, mm, I'm Varda. Varda, yeah, yeah. But so you know, it's it's gonna be great to see uh, the, the the rest of the, the league represented a little bit. It's a shame, of course, uh, that Yanni Malatya got dumped out. Um, they, you know, they actually made a fight of it in the end. They got a win in the second leg, didn't they? Yeah, they uh, beat uh, Partizan 1-0, and they should have had a penalty uh, that could have made it 2, and if it would have been 2, they would have been true, obviously, they would have had to hold on to it, and it was like a, in the first half, uh, but they were already 1-0 up at that point, if I'm not mistaken, so if they'd gotten that penalty, could have been 2, and uh, yeah, they could have actually uh, eliminated Partizan Belgrade, so uh, our opponents last season in the, in the qualifiers. Um, one of our opponents. Right, right. So it's a shame they didn't get past them, but uh, they had a good good run. Four games, two wins, one draw. So one defeat. Unfortunately, that one defeat uh, 
they they lost 3-1 in, in the 94th minute or something i think through a penalty had they not conceded that uh penalty that late penalty maybe they would have been true but then they still would have had to survive another round so uh but yeah i mean any 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 points help so it's, exactly. it's unfortunate yeah, I was gonna it's, say that they, it's been uh they, they got yeah. dumped out but they got they I got think. turkey some coefficient points so yeah and they had you know they went out with their heads held high uh they did a good job, Sergen and his men. Yeah. But anyway, enough about Yeni Malatia, because of course there's Besiktas to talk about. And, and Besiktas had their home opener. Uh, they were playing against Gustepe. Uh, most of you probably already know this by now because we're coming in a few days late, as Khan already mentioned. But just in case, just to keep your, your memory fresh, we'll run through this bit uh, and talk about what happened uh, without getting too much into the lineup Khan what were your thoughts about the lineup going into this match and just to refresh that for your your memories for the listeners Karya started in the goal Domingos Vida and Victor Ruiz started on the back line with Janer Arkin again on the left side Gokhan Gonu on the right Gary Medel was alone in the back of the midfield with Ozan and Adem Lijajic Ahead of him in the midfield with Tyler Boyd on the left side and Germain Lenz on the right. And of course, Gouven Yeltsin up front. So what were your thoughts, Khan, as, uh, before the game started? Uh, glad to see Olsan start. Um, of course, Dorokhan uh, fell out last minute, uh, so he, he he couldn't play. Uh, not not too fussed about that. Uh, mainly, I think we were all a little bit surprised by uh, Janner starting. Uh, I think we were kind of hoping Douglas could get his first start, but we were definitely assuming Pedro Rabocho would get his start. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, Janner started. Um, so heading into the match, uh, there was a lot of negativity. Um, personally, I have to admit, I was kind of negative too. I was like, ah, you know, same old. Uh, the only big change was no Quaresma. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I was of course didn't, happy didn't, to see. Didn't really. Uh... Sorry. Yeah, I was happy to see Jeremy Lenz out there. I, I, I have to mm. say, but besides that, yeah. Um, you know, Gary Medell being out there again, you know, with injuries and whatnot, perhaps. Yeah, have many have options to be, there, I mean, but didn't, you, know. you know, still, it's it's uh, it's always worrying when you're going into a match and you're seeing those kind of pieces you'd pick apart. John Air again, especially after having a pretty poor first match. But yeah, but big but maybe yeah, you're and, and it wasn't actually that poor of a first match. I I, I think it was the last match of the preseason that was poor. Uh, the, the first match was yeah. fairly indistinct. It was more Gokhan Gunul who was poor, yeah. in fact. Well, yeah, I mean, it was most of the danger came over Gokhan's wing in that game, I felt like. But, I mean, uh, it's not like he had a goal on his conto. Uh, and then I think, you know, Janner was criticized last week, too. But I didn't really think he did necessarily that much wrong. Um, but he didn't really do anything good either. So Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we're all games, kind of yeah. expecting what... Yeah. I think we we're all kind of uh, looking forward to see some of these new guys, and and we're coming off of, uh, you know what I mean? I, I think we're kind of like um, 
like a girl who was in a relationship with a boy and the boy was really good to us for two years and then started cheating on us. Now that's maybe a little harsh, but <laughs> didn't started treating us a little bad and we got ourselves, we got burned again. We got, you know, we, we've, we got burned a little bit and uh, now we're getting into a new relationship and, uh, it's difficult to trust, uh, you know, that, 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 that new part. Well, you know, well, that's kind of what it's like. Cause I, I, that's how I feel like I want could to, be a boy too, right? <laughs> I want to boys have, in the group chat, but I, I want to have trust in, in Abdullah. I want to, uh, have faith in him and all that, but it's something you need to earn. Uh, and he, he you know, I mean, obviously when you start off, as a new coach at a club, there's not much uh, you not, not not much credit you have yet with the fans, and no matter who you are, whether you're Mourinho, whether you're uh, Pep Guardiola, whether you're Jurgen Klopp, if you come into a new club, you have to build up credit. Yeah, and uh, so thus far, Abdullah Avci hasn't had the opportunity to build up any credit. Uh, and and you know what? Um, I, I yeah. It, it doesn't take much to, to, to sway people one way or the other. Also, and, hold on. Before we go there, yeah. and so that's, with that said, going into this match, uh, we could even say he kind of dug into his credit a little. He started, you know, using the credit card, you know, going into debt with last week. The fans were getting on his back. And I don't mean that, that they rightfully should have been getting on his back after one match, but uh, things were not looking good. The game got underway with this lineup that was not changed so much. Uh, and I got to say, that first half probably did not calm too many of the fans that were on his back uh, until, and this was, if you look at his timeline online anywhere, the first moment of note, there were no cards given, nothing. Uh, in the second minute of extra time, to end the first half, Johnny Erickson pulls up from the left side after, after you know, I must say, a nice little run. Speaking of John Air, who also, as Khan mentioned, was sort of unfairly criticized, uh, probably as residue from the, the maybe poor preseason he had. But anyway, uh, he chips in a nice cross to Guven Yalchin. It kind of trickles to him, and he slots it home very, very easily. Uh, it's almost unfair he got a goal because he had a particularly odious first half, I thought. But that was it. He, you know, he was he was where he needed to be when he needed to be there, and there it was going into the halftime. Uh, yeah, Besiktas took a lead, one nil on Goes Tepe. Uh, what do you? Fox in the box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can you say about it, right? Like, perhaps a little unfair. Yeah. You almost feel bad for Goes Tepe, but. That's life, man. This yeah, is football. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was unfair because I don't think I did. I think Gustave did absolutely nothing in that first half, and we hit the bar twice. I think. I mean, unfair uh, in that uh, they probably felt like okay, we're going into the half having mm. held them off. You know, uh, they, you know. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's not like we created any clear cut opportunities. It was just like always had a yeah. try from, from outside the box and, and hit the bar. Well, and, I think from a and Guven, yeah. So those those could have both went <laughs> in, uh, but yeah, we didn't really do anything in that first half, and then there was uh, you know it only enhanced all the negativity. And I remember saying at halftime, it's like, look, guys, the main issue we're having here is just that midfield, and Medel is not contributing to the uh, you know to the, to transitioning from defense into attack. He's not. 
He's rarely ever in position. He's not playing the ball through to the other players in midfield. There was a big void there in in, in, in midfield in that first half. And uh, I think there we could really see that lack of a proper number six that knows how to play uh, possession-oriented football. Uh, you know, because the thing with Gary Medell is that when he plays defensive midfield, I think he's even now for Chile, I think he's playing as a defender uh, quite quick. Um, quite quite frequently, but I think when he plays as a defensive midfielder for Chile, um, he he's more in this ankle biter yeah. role rather than somebody like, for example, an Atiba who has to carry the ball, who has to you know uh, bring it over and distribute the ball to the wings or to fellow midfielders, or not like a playmaker, but you know the way Atiba does for. Uh, for example, that's just something Medell isn't good at. I mean, I can just, uh, just to do a little fact check on you there. You are correct. In, but what's interesting is that uh, this summer was both in a, a Copa America and Gold Cup, Copa Oro, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, summer. So I got to see Team Canada and the Chilean national side. And uh, both of them, I don't know if this is a trend in the Americas, but uh, both right. of them play yeah. with three defenders back. And Atiba and Gary Medell played as the central defenders on a three-man back line. So that was a... Mm. I think that's new for Canada, though. They have a new coach, Maybe I believe. So, yeah. so that's not something Atiba usually does. But for Medell, that's uh, something... I mean, we remember when we got him, when we initially signed him, and, and, and the, the Inter fans and, and the people uh, you know, covering Inter Milan, they were saying, we don't like him as a central, defend, uh, central midfielder, but we do like him as a central defender. And I remember thinking back then, ah, you know, it's a Serie A, it's a higher level. I'm sure he can do a good job in Turkey. But I didn't really realize what the issue was with him. And now I understand. I think he's a good central def- defensive midfielder for, uh, let's say, a mid-table team or a team that's like, Maybe like in Bologna, the lower reaches yeah, of the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a team that's probably going to be uh, not the dominant side in a match. I think in those types of teams, he can function as a central defensive midfield. But for like a team like us, that just doesn't work. For a team like Inter, it just doesn't work. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's not ideal for him. I think we need a different type there. And that's a, a huge void we saw instantly there in that first half. And that improved in the second half. But was it due to Medell or was it due to another little tactical uh, adjustment yeah uh, not to mention having a one goal lead you know probably had them being a little less cautious because suddenly they had to at least equalize so uh, but anyway in the t- the second half halil akbunar came in for eren derdiok uh halil had a pretty decent second half uh, i don't know if we'll have much reason to talk about him so i'll just say that now but uh it didn't really reflect on the scoreline just like nine minutes after the, the half began, Besiktas scored again. Uh, and this one, it's funny. So they've credited Adem Lijajic with an assist on this. Uh, so here, uh, he sure, Lijajic kicked it out to Jonah Erkin on the wing, who lofted it in for a cross. And it was one of those fluke goals that just trickled into the far post, basically, into the goal. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we have a two-goal lead suddenly. Uh, any comments there, Khan? John Erkin, by the way, at this point, has now a, a goal and an assist to his name. 
Yeah. So not bad. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually I thought it was another assist for Jana because I actually thought that uh, Vida got a toe to it, uh, but uh, apparently he did not, and uh, the goal was credited to Jana. It's not the first time that that happens with a with a Jana cross that uh, ends up fooling a goalkeeper because they are expecting uh, the player coming in for it to uh, make a contact with the ball and, and therefore get fooled by the the curve of the ball. Uh, if you remember last season in the two. 2-2 against Kayseri Spore. Uh, that 2-2 in the, the final minute from Janar was, was similar in the sense that it was a cross coming in that the, the goalkeeper anticipated would get uh, touched by yeah. a player. And I mean, didn't. I don't have the, yeah. the, the matches to sort of think of offhand, but I feel like he's had a few of those, honestly. Dating back even to maybe his Fener days or the national side. Yeah, I feel like sure. I've definitely seen that a bunch, you know, it's like that it was a deja vu moment, 100%. Yeah. And it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad cross, by the way, because that was actually yeah, a good that's what you cross do. Uh, that Vida almost yeah. got to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a cross in, and that's a double jeopardy. Exactly. You know? exactly. No, I prefer <laughs> so, exactly uh, what you want to do. Yeah. So it was a, so it was, a, it was, a, it was a 2 0. It was a kind of, uh, I think we started well, so it wasn't necessarily flattering, but. It was a lucky well, and goal. And what, what it actually reflects, and it kind of, it's a nice segue between what you were, I think, maybe alluding to as we, as we introduced the second half uh, and the goal itself, which is that the tactical change that really took place in the second half and the reason things looked better was that we kind of started playing something of a three-man back line with Gokan Gornul shifting in as a, as a like, right central back. And then John Erickson mm-hmm. was much more of a kind of left midfielder with uh, whoever was actually the winger ahead of him drifting inwards a bit, maybe. Yeah, not, not even a left midfielder. At times, he was just simply central mid. He was yeah, roaming. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, they, it was it was dubbed the, uh, the false left back. And basically what, what happened was, like you said, uh, we would form basically a three-man back line. Victor Ruiz would move more out to the left, uh, Vida in the center, and then Gokan on the right. And and Janner would just roam basically. Um, Umut on, on the fo- football Trucker po- podcast pointed out that he was playing almost as a regista at certain points. And uh, yeah, he was going. He was not just in that left center area. He was also you know. In, in the lower region around the mid circle um, and, and yeah, just roaming around in midfield uh, making it difficult I think for Gustepe also to, to, to properly defend him also giving us a man up advantage in midfield and that was the big key in the second half why we were so much better than we were in the first half is because we were now suddenly winning that midfield battle and we've been talking about that for so long it feels like seeing you know, that midfield battle where we seem so un- underwhelming and now we had that man more situation and uh, also Adam Leid started growing more into the match because suddenly he started getting yeah, more balls exactly. um, you know because otherwise there's always seems to be like too much too much distance in between Medel and then Leic who's like the more offensive midfielder and Medel who's the more defensive midfielder there's just too much space in between there's not a lot not enough balls going from Medel either to to Leic or to Oshan and there's just like a big void there in midfield and with Chandler moving in there roaming around a little bit we have more bodies we have more uh, possession yeah. in that area and yeah we just took control of midfield <coughs> and that, that could could be reflected and uh, at the end, ultimately, the scoreline should have been higher than it Well, and again, a, a good segue there, because sure enough, 
Just five minutes later, it would be Adem Lijajic, with probably the best actual goal of the uh, of the match, where he smashed in a nice assist from Germain Lenz, uh, giving Besiktas a three to nil lead. This was only in the 59th minute, so again, just five minutes after the, the second goal. And at this point, Besiktas is in cruise control. Gostepe seems to have lost their shape. Um, I mean, they're still making the occasional run, which makes the introduction of Georges Kevin Unkudu in the 61st minute all the more eventful. Uh, he came in for Tyler Boyd uh, to play on the left side. And yeah, he was sliding in very nicely behind, you know, on counterattacks and, and making great runs. Uh, I'll just quickly run through the other yeah. sort of subs that were made. Castor came in for uh, Ustekin. What's his? Uh, Yasin Ustekin. Um, not one of my favorite players Your in favorite. the world. But, uh, but, you know, so Castro came in for him. Nejip came in for Gary Medel in the 67th minute. Um, a few yellow cards were given out. Ruiz got himself a yellow card. I didn't even notice that. Uh, and then, yeah, a bunch of more subs. At the very end of the match, Muhayev came into the game for Ozan. That would be in the 84th minute. So, mm-hmm. so Muhayev got six minutes plus extra time. But, uh, yeah, the, the scoreline would would read 3-0 at the end. Besiktash got three points in their season opener at home. Um, man, I mean, before we get into... Uh, Highlights and lowlights. I, I think the main thought here is, for me anyway, that the second half marked Abdul Avci's system really starting to shine uh, for the first time, pretty much as as far as long as we've seen thus far. Because like the in the summer it wasn't quite coming into effect. You can you can definitely you know in his defense say that he never really even had all of the pieces. You know he was shifting guys in and out. Guys were injured. Um, coming back from international duty, etc. So yeah, but but I wonder if this is actually what he's planning on playing, or if this is just something he did because he felt like we were we weren't effective enough in midfield. And I I'm I'm wondering, you know, if we get a six in that is able to uh, fix that midfield issue on his own, so to speak, if we're still going to be playing with that false left back or that false right back. Or if that's just something he's going to do in certain games where he feels like mm, we don't have enough grip on midfield, I'm going to s- turn things around. So I- I'm curious to see whether this is more like a, a little um, fix inside the game rather than the, the go-to tactic we're always going to be utilizing. Or maybe this is just going something we're going to do at home in home matches more often than we do in away matches. I don't know. I don't know yet if this is the definitive uh, way that we're going to be playing. Yeah, I, I definitely, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, on the one hand, you think, okay, it's a home match against the side that we should be able to beat. So perhaps it's something he felt comfortable, you know, opting with there. But on the other hand, you know, I mean, it's the second match of the season. Things have not gotten off to the best start. So, you know, it was... I, I'm, it was nice. It, yeah, and he needed, and needed yeah, this win. Yeah, it showed badly. flexibility on his part. It showed his ability to react to a match. Uh, and frankly, I think that if 
like John Air and the rest of that back line is now comfortable enough to play that way, you know, knowing how to do that, knowing that that's like a, a tool in their belt, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. trying to think of a clever metaphor for that, you know, another weapon in their artillery. But anyway, uh, it's, it's definitely something that they can fall back on when they need to. Uh, and you, you'd imagine they could kind of shift in and out of within a, within a match. Yeah. So that's of course. Good, yeah. you know, it's, 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 I mean, uh, that's also why I assume Robocho didn't start is because I assume that 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 this is something they've been practicing for a while and and that Chana already, you know, has under his belt. While Robocho was only there for like what six days. So, uh, but I, I did. I, I was a little disappointed that that Najib came on and not Robocho, for example. Uh, I think at that point yeah. it was three 0 so I didn't think it was necessary to put on Najib. You could have just put Robocho on and maybe moved Chana to the yeah, or maybe make that Muhayer sub earlier so that we get more like i yeah i, I don't know I, Najib, we know we know what we get with him i we yeah. i we de- i think both of us agree but anyway like i i don't want to move on to the to the news item because this would be a good segue in that there is some news that could do folks like us who don't want to see Najib there uh, happy <laughs> but before we get there um there's definitely some game to talk some some match stuff here that we have to wrap up uh, yeah. for you. I mean, and we can wrap it up because I think what what we're doing lately with these episodes is kind of analyzing throughout the the match talking points. So that's uh, I think we've covered a lot of it already. But we definitely have to talk about who you think has merited the the man of the match, you know, the highlight. Who stood out as a low light, perhaps? I think we've talked about. You, know, you might have some hints from the analysis we talked about earlier but what do you think um uh, again i liked victor ruiz a lot i thought he was good and not necessarily a man of the match type performance because it was just wasn't necessary uh, i like carries uh, mm. very quick in his distribution starting off attacks uh very fluent uh, yeah and he, he he had this this is this aura of confidence uh i think yeah. he's gonna have a good i, I well i you know knock on wood I think he's going to have a good season. Um, not not naming him as my man of the match, but you know, just something I want to point out. So he definitely then, installed, or I should say, he instilled confidence in uh-huh. in his back line. You could tell, and he even looks like he's uh, he's really taken the I don't know if it's advice or the training to heart. That uh, you know, I remember reading that Abdullah Abchi was having him coming out come out uh, from the goal and play on the pitch a little bit, you know, pa- passing it, distributing yeah. it, controlling it, all that. Uh, he was that, doing that too. Yeah, it's starting to show. I thought he looked pretty good on the ball. I mean, not, you know, good on the ball, but, you know, good yeah, enough. And he, he was good. Yeah, he but came he's out. He's always been good on the ball, but it's just that I don't think that, not, yeah, I don't think, you know, Gunesh put too much emphasis on building up from the back and uh, that's something Avci is, is hammering on right now and it's something we're improving on still, of course. Yeah, for sure. Well, so then who do you give it to? I'm going to let you uh, give it to the obvious one, uh, or unless you had someone else in mind. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I was going to go Janair. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was going to go Ozan, because I, I liked him. I, I thought not necessarily man of the match either. 
because he didn't do enough for that. But I liked Ozan. We saw Ozan again. I think the, he was playing more as a right right central midfielder. He was very involved on that right side in the first half, especially. Uh, I thought he had a positive uh, game. And uh, later in the in the second half, I really liked it when he, he and uh, Leitch linked up at times because they're just two players. The closer they get to goal, the more dangerous it becomes. And uh, I think that that could be something fun going forward. Uh, so I, I liked to see uh, somewhat revitalized Olsan and hopefully uh, under Afji's guidance he can find his former form back. Yeah. So I, if, if it were up to me, it would be, uh, you know, a new six and then Leitch and Olsan would be my midfield. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've hit it at any point. I'm not a huge fan of Dorokhan. I think he's a good player. But I don't necessarily see. Not, not that I'm not a fan of Dorokhan, but I'm not just. I just don't really see a place for him in our in a three-man midfield that I would prefer to see. The type of midfield that I would prefer to see because he's a very weird type of player. He's not a six. He's not an eight. You know. Yeah. No. He needs to be in a midfield that's really suited to his, you know, whatever yeah. his ability there. But uh, you know, I mean, the reason I'm going with Janair, it, it's like. Sort of an, uh, uh, a poetic choice, if you will. But I mean, on the one hand, I, I give him a lot of crap. You know, I talk a lot of trash about Janair. I've been saying how he's been this like thing that needs to be replaced most of all for, you know. I, but so when I feel like it's only right that when a player stands out in a positive sense, you've got to also be able to call it out if you're going to be capable of calling them out for the opposite. So I have to give him credit. He had a, he had a really good match. And not just because he got the stats. I mean, I will say this, that his fluke goal was so deserved in that the the assist that he had, it, it's rare, I think, in football, but it's common enough that you almost wish that there was like an alternate statistic for this. But every so often, a goal is much more the assist than it is the, the goal itself. And I think clearly the the, the yeah. Guven Yalchin goal was like John Erkin almost deserves credit <laughs> for that more than Guven, you know. So uh, yeah, it's I a was, silver platter type of uh, tap in, you know. That's why it was poetic justice that he got the fluke goal because it kind of like okay, you you, know, <laughs> you earn that. But um, I bet Gustepe fans would would disagree there. But <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, for me that's he's he you know I've got to be consistent in my ability to, to call people out for good and bad. so He was a clear best man, so to speak. I mean, he was the, the key in this match. Yeah, and we talked about how he was a fulcrum, about how he even contributed yeah. to Plus, giving the confidence in Ozan and all of them by, by sort of shoring up that, that space in the midfield that's always vacated yeah. somehow. And Afji made him important, and I think he took, he gave him responsibility, and he took that responsibility with with, with open hands, and he and he, yeah, I think it's an important thing. I think it's an, a very important thing to for a coach to give a player confidence, especially a player that's kind of on the down, like like Janner yeah, exactly. has been last season. And he's getting slagged this. off by everyone. Yeah, and I think it was important for for Afji to give him responsibility. Some players re- respond very well to that; other players can't handle it um but yeah Channer on the day uh, did well with that responsibility for sure uh but so then low light Khan, who do you think you could call out guven guven yeah yeah that's, that seems fair 
he was yeah, uh, i was really i was i was really he, he, like he took the enjoyment out of it for me in the second half uh, and I, I, I was, you know, I think we started the game well, actually, the first couple of minutes. I really liked it. The crowd was great. I was really behind the, the team. And, and then the Kudo came in in the second half. And it was just, it was so fun to see how he <coughs> just stepped on the pitch and he was already clapping for the fans and he was just like looking and every time he got the ball the the, the, the crowd would go like you start, you know, fussing and he like it, it would it's like he got this like this adrenaline rush every time he got the ball because of the fans getting behind him and you could see that he was that it, that he enjoyed it and that's something you don't really see on a player so often i can't remember the last time i've seen a player respond that way to the crowd yeah uh some, most of the time, I just have the feeling that that, that players kind of just zone out of it, that, that they don't even hear it anymore, and that they're just you know doing their thing. But you could see that Nkudu was living with the supporters, uh, and, and then maybe that's because it was his first match. Well, and but, so uh, I mean, regarding Nkudu, I think yeah, this could be a little segment where we talk about his performance because I think it definitely merits a little bit of a discussion. And yeah, he was electric. His pace. I mean, I think it's very important for everyone to recognize that this was basically his first football in like four years, give or take, you know, because he's been ah, injured. It's a slight exaggeration. Uh, what he's was it? Played. Three years? No, but he's played in those three years, just not a lot. Yeah, uh, like, but, you know, like 2,000 minutes or something, but that's like a season's worth in three years. I think basically. he had like nine matches last season or something. Like, anyway, point being that. To, to, not just to enter a match, but to enter a match knowing that you're now a rotation piece. You're going to have guaranteed time. You know, you're, the, the team's committed a pretty big chunk of money to you, right? So I think mm -hmm. he comes into this not just as a guy who's a substitute in a match, but as a guy who recognizes that his future is kind of like laid out before him. And that, for him, I think it must be such a... I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he responds to that, and I really do feel yeah. that from what we saw, like the, the the what was lacking was just sharpness, you know, because his pace was clearly there. So the athletic athleticism is, you know, whatever injuries he's had, look, he's clearly passed them. Um, he, yeah, I mean, his touch—that was pretty much what was lacking. But you imagine getting oh, used I don't to. Know. But just, I mean, I like this touch. his first touch specifically, like it was a little wild at times. But I mean, getting used to your teammates, getting used to like getting a feel for the ball at your feet, you know, in, in a match, it's all gonna come. Yeah, he was up against Gassama, who's one of the fastest uh, fullbacks in the league, and then uh, he outpaced him. Uh, I, I, I don't remember a faster player at Besiktas that was that quick. Like extremely quick, extremely quick in acceleration. He, yeah, it was just very impressive to watch, and I think uh, that that's some that's definitely a weapon in our arsenal that that's uh, gonna come in handy um, in, in certain matches. And he, and I don't know, some people were criticizing uh, like his intelligence there. I don't really know why oh, because weird. I think he made he, you know he he dove into the proper channels. He went the right direction, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know, but I just, I just, that's one of the main reasons that I, I really am so annoyed with Guven because in the first half, I, you know, he, he just doesn't 
fulfill what we are looking for, what we expect in our system from a striker. Okay, you can't really blame him for that because that's not his fault because he's not that type. But in the second half, like, Nakuda was on for like 30 seconds and there's like this amazing opportunity where Guven just has to play the ball through and Nakuda can basically tap it in. In like within like 30 seconds of coming onto the pitch but instead of doing that he like you, you can just see in Guven is that type of player where he's always gonna like he takes way too long because he's always looking for that opportunity to shoot rather than oh okay if I just tap the ball through here it's an easy tap in for my teammate you know but he's just given yeah I don't know, it felt like he was taking half a century on the ball and then when ultimately he decided to give the pass, the defender just blocked it. While if he would have got, given it like a... It's only a fraction of a second, but if that fraction of a second he just plays that ball through, then Kuda has an easy tap-in. And could you imagine him coming onto the pitch and, and getting off on, on, you know, just like on a flying start like that with a, with a goal on his debut that would have just lit a fire, yeah. uh, you know, just lit a rocket under his ass, yeah. or I should I put and it. Throughout the fan so I, that's something I, I, I kind of... Yeah, something I kind of resented Guven for, and just in general, I I think he's like he's not a good, he's not in that role in that striker role. He's not really a great team player. I feel like he's just always just looking for that shot, which a good striker has to do, but to a certain degree, um, it was infuriating, infuriating in this match. And I don't know, yeah, yeah. maybe I'm harsh on Guven. I'm always harsh on Guven. I feel like, but I don't know. I, I he kind of took the enjoyment out of it for me in this game, even though he scored an important first goal. I mean, and we do say mo most of that is on Janner, but you still have to tap it in. For you sure. still have to. Oh yeah, he, his pace you know? got him. So there credit, too. credit to him for being in the right. Yeah, spot. no. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely would not say he had a, a good match besides that goal, obviously. Um, yeah, no, my low light, though, I, I'm going to give it... I don't think Tyler Boyd can be given it because I don't think... He didn't shine, but at the same time, he didn't shine negatively either. So uh, I feel like that's sort of important if you're going to give someone uh, something like so ignominious. Like, uh, but so I'm going to go with Gary Medell. Uh, the first half, as we said, was, you know, kind of highlighted his deficiencies. And although he was there for the turnaround, well, we, where we took control of the match, I don't think he was the reason why. Uh, as we said, I think it was kind of John Erkin taking on two jobs, and one of those jobs being, by and large, Gary Medell's, uh, which is where we thrived and how we thrived. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Gary Medell. But, I, you know, for reasons okay. we've basically already uh, highlighted, I, I guess, to be fair. I felt it was one of those games where you don't really have lots of low lights. No, yeah. Which is which is good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like we played. We didn't play a great game, but I don't think there's anyone who def de deserves to really be singled out, except for Given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but so nah, Given. I mean, I'm being hypercritical in a sense, and it's just that I really wanted Nkudu to get off on a, on a flying start. And he's and really. Well, I mean, I mean, I think I still think he did. I think think this was a massive confidence boost for Nkudu, whether he scored or not. But it would have been nice. It just would have been such a great little way to come in, you know, like Kagawa did last year. Yeah, sure. Well, that was that was beautiful. My boy. Shane. Yeah, we. You know, I mean, not 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 even if you have a dream debut like that, it's not a guarantee for anything. So sure. let's hope that uh, Nkudu uh, uh, builds on this. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm hoping he left 
supposedly he left training injured today, but uh, he put on Instagram that he's fine. So yeah. uh, I hope he starts uh, against Rizespor. Me too. Um, usually I do this as a segue into analysis, but to close up our talk about this match, I'll just briefly mention some stats, a little stat flash. Uh, Besiktas dominated possession in this match. 67% to their 33. But Gustepe had 11 shots to Besiktas's 8. That said, Besiktas had 4 shots on target to their 3. So Gustepe, I'm guessing, had a lot of shots from distance. I don't really remember them being too dangerous throughout much of the match. So Yeah, that's all they did. I don't think they had a single opportunity, really. Uh, one stat, though, that I do want to mention. Besiktas committed 19 fouls. Gostepe committed nine. I don't know if I can recall the last time Besiktas <clears throat> out was, fouled uh, their Referee opposition. was Ali you That's all you need yeah, to I say. Yeah, I suppose so. Wow. I mean, it's market here. Uh, one yellow card apiece, though, at least. Offsides, five for Gostepe, two to Besiktas. Besiktas had eight corners to their three. So that sort of spells the dominance that I think most of us witnessed. But so, yeah, statistically speaking... A few surprises, although not maybe, you know, if you're looking at it without having watched the match, it won't give you a very clear reflection of it, I don't think. Certainly, Gustepe's 11 shots would would suggest some sort of dominance uh, going forward or holding the ball, which, you know, even the stats show is not nah, that was just their That was just their... Uh, desperation, in a way, and I think you know what. I, I, this is going to be a mild exaggeration, but probably 18 of those 19 falls happened before the one nil, because that's one of those match where Gustepe, you know, they they went down for everything and any f- contact they went out to try and take the, the rhythm out of the match. And and Palabuk is the type of referee gonna that's go always going to go for that. Yeah. He's gonna, you know, he loves he loves uh, ruining games. Uh, you know what he does best. So uh, he's so he's so yeah. bummed he didn't get to ruin this one. I'm not even kidding. But anyway, but so let's... he's he's one of those ref- oh, for sure. that loves yeah, to do he's, that. He's a he's a cla- he's. Uh. But yeah, moving on though, because I think we have to talk a bit about some other news before you pass yes. out on on air. <laughs> uh, but let's get into it now. We've already kind of alluded to it, and it's it's uh, I don't want to call it official, but there's some. News, as far as a defensive midfielder, or a number six, as some like to refer to one as. Tell us about it, Khan. Yeah, so uh, Bishtas are in the market for six. We know that. Uh, We've known that for a while. We got our left winger last week. Um, So now uh, there were some names being thrown around. Uh, Mario Lemina of, uh, I think, Southampton. Is a, is a player that was being pushed to the forefront uh, in the beginning of the week or so. Uh, he used to play for Juventus, uh, went to Southampton, I believe, for 17 million, like two seasons ago, maybe. Uh, he's being named, but then the name came out the other day of uh, uh, Thiago Maia of uh, Lille. Uh, and he was, this is a little bit more realistic target in the sense that he, he seems to be a little bit on the outs at Lille. Um, and yeah, Murat Özen has uh, confirmed it in the meantime. Firat Güner was the, the first one to break the news of TRT. Uh, then Özen confirmed it. So Özen said yesterday, on that, which is basically, um, I guess, Tuesday. No, no, sorry, uh, Monday. He basically said uh, it could be done on Tuesday, the deal. 
Uh, and then today TRT did say that the deal was done, but nothing has happened yet. So maybe by the time you listen to this, something official happens. Um, but uh, yeah, Thiago, Thiago Maia is, is highly likely to be our, our new six, at least for the season. Uh, and there's probably going to be an option to buy included in his loan uh, if it comes to fruition. Because obviously, like we, we learned it with Vito Hugo. Uh, that nothing is done until it's actually done. Yeah, sure. So, but you know, Thiago Maia is likely uh, our new six, uh, and then probably with a with an option to buy. But numbers in, in in regards to that option to buy are very variating. Uh, Lille paid 14 million for him two three years ago, uh, and apparently the option to buy would be either between nine to 12 million. So that's a lot wow. of money. So uh, I don't really like that, but. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it's like a three million loan fee or something. That would be good, I think. Maybe they can like spread a six it out million. over two years. You know, like two and yeah, two and then yeah. like eight or seven. Maybe that's maybe that's the holdup uh, because um, as I expected it to be done today. Uh, Maya is included for uh, little squad to play Saint Etienne tomorrow, uh, which by again by the time you listen to this, is probably today. Uh, but or has been gone already for days on end because you're slow on listening, uh, catching up. Uh, but, come on, uh, you guys. yeah, so he's <laughs> but he's included in in sent in, in a little squad versus Saint Etienne. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see if it, it ends up ending up being him. But one thing is for certain Gary Medel will not be our six on uh Saturday, I, I believe. We play against Jerise Sport, he will not be our six because Gary Medel. Like Sinan already alluded to earlier, is off to Bologna in Serie A. Besiktas will get 1.5 million euros or 2.5, for... right? Isn't that so no. teetering? No, no, or it's it's confirmed. one, it's one and a half. It's pro, it's it's it looks like it's one million two hundred fifty thousand guaranteed, and then two hundred fifty thousand in in added bonuses. So one and a half total is what it looks like. But I think the main part is. Uh, for us to get an aging player off the books who's on a top wage, 2.3 million a year. He's 32 years old and he doesn't really... I mean, we've said it before. Gary Medell is a great utility player. He's a great bench player. I think he was our best backup central defender. So I'm kind of gutted in that sense. But he was too expensive for a bench player. Um, and yeah, so Gary Medell's off to Serie A. He said goodbye to the team. I, I kind of had to pinch away a tear when I was uh, watching uh, the... The, the video footage of that, I mean, he was, yeah, it was emotional uh, in a way. It's not like Gary Medell did all that much at Besiktas, but he was, I liked him, I appreciated him. I think many, all the fans appreciated him, especially because he was such a fighter. Um, yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, I wish him, we, we, we all wish him all the best, obviously, at, at Bologna, and hopefully they can stay up in, uh, in Serie A and uh, not relegate. Hashtag uh, gracias Medel. But yeah, man, exactly. I, uh, I have no hard feelings for the guy. In a way, I'll tell you, I just had, like, f at first I was like, yes, this is good. Like, we need to clear up space in the books and, you know, we're getting Tiago Maya or, or whoever, you know, and so this is yeah. necessary. Uh, but then I just had this thought that this means that we might, it just means Nejip is... Still, starting on Saturday, right? Yeah, a starting That's on what Saturday, I'm too. and then B, yeah. like just still around in general. You know, I, I kind of would prefer Medel be the guy off the bench, the utility guy. Um, so, uh, well, it's a little bit of sadness. Regard, uh, there's some, there's some potential news in that regard too. Uh, Bashakir signed Mehmet Topal. Uh, 
which means that uh, Gukhan Inler might be allowed to leave on a free and uh, apparently Abdullah Avci was very happy working with Inler for the past two seasons. He played a lot of games as well, stayed injury free, played like 52 games in two seasons for Bashakshir under Abdullah Avci. I and always Avci's like Gukhan Inler and I never quite understood what happened with Bashakshir. Uh, I well, I think he well, first and foremost he was on a way too high wage. Yeah, well, I uh, for being a backup, just like Gary Mandel, basically. Mm. But now, if he, it, there's a, there's this possibility, he's 35 years old already. But there's a possibility that he might be coming back in for a year or so, and then joining the the technical staff. Because another big news item, Orhan Ak uh, resigned. Yeah. So that could mean, you know, that could mean a spot for a guy like Inler, a guy like Atibanix, uh, you know, on the technical staff in in, in the future. Uh, Inler might be coming back to Bishtesh as a obviously a backup rotation type player, uh, and and maybe to become part of the technical staff. You know coach. what I mean? Yeah, for me, if he's like if he's on like a low wage, say four, five, six hundred, I'm I'm completely fine with that. I think it's good to have an additional player. Uh, for the rotation in midfield, and I mean, especially on, for that six position, we don't have to say it. Like it's Nejib, right? It's just one more person to keep Nejib out of the lineup, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. of course, like he is still very serviceable relative to playing <laughs> Nejib. Uh, so uh, I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Why not? Especially yeah, if he's cheap, he's uh, he gets along with the coach, he makes the coach comfortable, settles him and his system. Whatever, yeah, whatever plus happens. international experience with, with, with big clubs like Napoli uh, and then of course in, in England won the league title with Leicester City, didn't play much of course, but he's got those experiences under his belt, it's something he can help younger players because we're starting to get a lot of those. And yeah, I mean, sure. if Thiago Maia comes in, kid's 22 years old, could definitely use uh, some guys around him like a, like a Gukhan in like an Atiba to help him along. Uh, those are two players I think who are sl- who are coming to terms with their career drawing to a close. And I think those are both, especially Atiba, of course, really positive people within in the dressing room that can hopefully help a young player like Thiago Maia become a, a better footballer if he comes to Besiktas. So, uh, yeah. But then there's there's two other hot news items uh, when it comes to the midfield. Yeah. One is Rafinha of Barcelona. Um, so, basically, Rafinha... Alcantara, the brother of Thiago, who plays for Bayern Munich, and for some reason on, uh, I called him uh, Fabinho on <laughs> Football Hall of Turka. I was already, t- I was already tired two hours ago. So, so. yeah. Anyway, uh, so Rafinha, uh, his manager, his agent was actually at the game on Friday, and uh, apparently he uh, sat down and had a had a talk, had some conversations with some Besiktas officials. Uh, from that talk has come uh, the result that Besiktas have now gone and made an offer, had put in an official offer yeah. with Barcelona. So uh, Murat Uzan said the other day uh, that uh, this, whether it'll happen or not, we'll probably know by Friday or so. So let's hope, uh, fingers crossed, maybe we can get Rafinha. That would be a great get, I think. I, I believe you watched him play uh, the other day as well for Barcelona when they were playing, because he, he actually started yeah. the last two games for Barcelona. So and, for Barca, it's and, uh, interesting times, because of course Messi's been out with Minor yeah. injury, and, Luis Suarez is and out. Suarez. Um, you know, so they're missing a few pieces, and, and it's good to know for whoever picks up Rafinha next that he's still very serviceable. He's still a part of Barca's rotation. 
I think Barcelona has had ties with him for a very long time. They're probably kind yeah, of doing from him a youth. service. Of course, he could still mm -hmm. play for them in this role. But I think what they're basically saying is like, you're, how old is he now? 26. 26. He's just 26. God, that's he's so beautiful. Still... I love that age. But still, old enough that he's not like, a, certainly for the level of Barca, uh, he's not at the prospect stage of his career for them. Uh, no, no, so I think not... it's like, wherever you need to be starting and frankly like if we're if we're really looking at who he is relative to, to European football he'd be a starting player for 95% of the, of clubs in Europe <laughs> I would say you know and that 5% being the, the you know the yeah, obvious candidate it's, it's puzzling that he that he hasn't found a club yet because I mean he the thing is uh, he's coming off an ACL injury uh, he was at, at Inter uh, on loan at Inter and he got injured and uh, I think that's also why Barcelona are starting him now in these these, these first couple of games in the, in the season just for him to get match yeah, fitness to show uh, the market that he still has it right like yeah, of course, and uh, you know Valencia are also rumored to be interested. So I think it's going to be tough for us to to get him, but it will be a great get for us. I think. I mean, we don't need an eight, um, but we I, we could definitely use a guy like him because he can play in so many different positions. I mean, he can play in a six and on uh, as a six in a pinch. He can play as a ten. Say Leitch is injured or suspended, he can he can play instead of Leitch. He can play in the. Yeah, he can play as an eight. He can play on either wing, like you said. So he's really a very versatile player that can play. Is very good at both the attacking part and the and the defending part of the game. So even if it's just for like a one-year loan that we can get him, he does have an expiring contract with Barcelona. But it is said that Barcelona will extend his contract before giving him to any club, like loaning him out or anything like that, it's because, you know, they probably want to, to get a fee or something for him still, even maybe not necessarily like a huge fee, but they still want to get something right. out of him, which um, which which are you entitled like to? Like I just course. said, he could start. Uh, I mean, there's no club in a, in a vacuum, in a, in a pinch that wouldn't put in an offer. I think yeah. the, 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 the detractor for him is that it's late in the window. A lot of these clubs, the windows are already closed. Yeah. I think the main issue with him is he's a, is a very talented player and usually a, a guy of his level would probably go for 40, 50, 60 million. The problem is that he's 26 and he's already had three serious knee injuries. So he's, you know, big clubs aren't going to take yeah. that risk for a, for a really big fee. So I could, I could actually see this guy go for under 10 million. Yeah, uh, so I, I could see us, for example, try and get a loan and with an option to buy or an obligation to buy or something whatever um but yeah, anyway we're nowhere near that 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 phase right now i mean it looks like we're, we've got tiago maya so it, they're not the same they don't they're not players for the same position i think we could perfectly get both of them i think it's also kind of implied by this next thing uh, that we are looking to get maybe a, a, a player in an other midfield role still because uh, Manuel Fernandez has had uh, you know he's he's been a free agent for the last month or so um, and he is currently in talks with several Turkish clubs including Besiktas. Besiktas have supposedly um, 
been in talks with him and made him an offer. I, I got the impression it's more like a tentative offer. TRT were reporting that there was a deal for one plus one year at 1.1 million a year, but then Murat Özen came out and, and refuted it, and he, and he did say, look, it's possible that my info is, 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 isn't correct or something, and other people's info is correct, but from what I know right now, there is no deal yet. Besiktas did make an offer, but he has better offers from other clubs. There's a, a club from Russia offering two two. 9 million a year. Supposedly Ghazi Shahir are offering 2 million a year and Bishtas are offering like one and a half or something. But that does imply, I think the interest in Fernandez that's been confirmed does also imply, I think, that Bishtas aren't just looking at getting a 6 but also at getting an 8. So it also increases the, the chances of us getting both Maya and for example Rafinha or Manuel Fernandez. Fingers crossed that it would be Rafinha in that in that situation. Yeah, I mean, they're both. Um, I mean, Manny is pretty good too. I mean, yeah, of course, Man Fernandez is still great, but he's right, thirty-two yeah, years yeah. old. Plus, we also know we also know that that with, with Manny, you're all, always bringing in some baggage. And the thing with with with. Uh, uh, I was almost calling him Fabinho again. Rafinha, the thing with Rafinha is that you're, I think you're bringing in an upper echelon yeah, talent. Guy, yeah. uh, you know, a, Bar a Barcelona level player. I think you're bringing in a really good player that could that could lift us up to a to an that's in a sense a surplus move maybe. But I think he could lift uh, or the level What's of our so team. What's so funny up, about it though uh, is like it's, it is surplus. I mean. His game is like surplus in a funny way because he's just such a utility guy and he's so. I mean, mm. but at the same time, in a vacuum, right? If you really look it's, at just you know, the player and his ability, he'd probably be the best player coming into Turkey this summer. Like, and I mean, like, I'm thinking about like Max oh, yeah. Bruce. No, hey, right, Rafinha yeah. has more to yeah. offer on his day. Yeah. Um, who does Galatas that I have? Like, Falcao, yeah. if they got, even if they got Falcao. Nzonzi. Nzonzi, no, come on. Nzonzi. Like, Rafinha. In fact, Rafinha could be one of the most talented players to come into Turkey in the last five or ten years. Yeah, I mean, since Bro, I'm, trying, Snyder, I'm racking my head, yeah. I think uh, anyway, yeah, Rafinha. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He he'd be a great get, no doubt. I mean, whoever gets him, um, and you know, he's even been linked with Fenerbahce uh, prior to uh, being linked to us. Supposedly, his agent also had a meeting with them or something. I don't know if that's actually true, uh, because there, I think there was a report in Oyogo in, in in Portugal saying that. But it wouldn't be the first time that they confuse one Turkish club with another. So I don't know how much uh, truth there is into that. Plus, Fenerbahce are really like focusing on getting six. And someone was like, "Oh, Istanbul! I know Fenerbahce. They're in Istanbul." Yeah. Yeah, who knows? So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I, I you know what I'm, I'm, I think it's a really difficult transfer for us to get, uh, but if we can pull it off somehow, I think that would be a great, great, great uh, transfer for and us. Just even if it's just for note, a year. Last side note, I just I saw an article and it said that the the main reason that Barca wants to extend him is so that they have the option then to loan him out with the option to buy. So for clubs like Mm -hmm. Besiktas, who couldn't buy him outright, that's very good news because it suggests that among the many offers they've gotten, they now want to extend him so that they can do that that loan option. Yeah, 
And that's why, I mean, I, I don't know, he might end up going for uh, on a loan to Valencia for 20 million option to buy. So don't quote me on this. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out on a loan with like a, a 6 million option to buy or something. Yeah, three, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Six. Because of those knee injuries, you exactly, know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Ah, that, now we're dreaming. Now we're in dream territory. <laughs> so, so close this out, wow. Khan. I think you've got a little bit more. I don't know if it qualifies as dream. Um. Well, so I talked about uh, almost everything. Well, you know what? I'm just my personal hunch. I think that we will in, in those last. I think we will probably make a move for uh, Vincent Abubakar in the last two days or so. That's so, my hunch right now. Yeah, that was sort of the dream I was alluding to. Yeah, so striker is like the last piece of the puzzle missing that we've yet to talk about. I, yeah. I, what it's so nice to be able to say that the defense has been shored up. Right, we no longer have that weighing over us uh ruiz and robosho robosho are both uh i think everyone seems to be fairly pleased you know there's not uh any uproar there yeah we, we haven't seen pedro yet but victor ruiz has been uh, great victor yeah, ruiz has all, probably uh, been our best player all around so far this season uh yeah. he's been i mean i it's been two games. You don't yeah. want to be dramatic. Yeah, you don't want to be dramatic because it's, it's been two games. But there's something kind of dramatic about his performances because he's already lending a kind of veteran presence. I dare say even kind of leadership, uh, which is wild for a guy who's two games into his career with us. But he is on the older side. Um I don't yeah, but how nice how nice is that now to say that the, the, the two oldest guys on our squad right now are thirty years old? Exactly. Oh, I'm not counting Gokan, of course. Uh, well, <laughs> no, yeah, but, but he I'm, he doesn't count. He's he's timeless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's another like yeah. potential player coach option long term. But uh, we even have Douglas as his uh, dispelled him. So no, I mean it's we've all been Ali Naibid this summer. Uh, we we went into it. Not knowing what to expect, we got dark. Things got a little grim, and then it's like we got punked. We got we got Nibied. Uh, <laughs> punked in a good way. Yeah, we got Nibied. Um, he he slid out the moves on us. He he had us all hating, yeah. and then bam, look I, what he came up with. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. If we end up signing Thiago Maia, which look, Thiago Maia is, a, is considered a flop at at Lille, so. I'm not gonna say he's a great signing uh, in the sense of that he's gonna be like great for us, a guarantee. He's definitely not a guarantee, but he's—I think he's a good get. Still, he's a good risk to take. Um, and if we, let's say we get Maya, and let's—if we would then be able to pull off like a move for Rafinha and maybe like a, a decent striker as well. I mean, that's—I think—arguably. The best window in history, oh transfer window. Because, like, I mean, you think about mean, the biggest. Yeah. The biggest one would have to be the the C Almeida. Yeah, no, I mean, not just in terms of names, but just the fact that the the players we've gotten exactly. in this window. There's there's not been look even in our in our Uziel when we got we had a really good window where we got like Sergen, we got Numa back, we got Sago, we got uh, well Junti was in, the, in 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 January, but still we got a, we had a good window where we got a lot of good Cordoba, we got some great players, legends, but we also signed Zafir Demiray, we also signed Serdar Toprak Tepe, we also you know we had these like 
these uh, sign signings where you're like, eh, you're like a Mehmet Aggunil. Why do you waste your money on that basically type of signings? Uh, and we haven't had that so far. So far, it's been you know all you know Laich, uh, Pedro Rebocho, Victor Ruiz, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Kevin Nkudu, so I think there's the five guys we've signed so far, and those are all guys for the first 11. Those are all starters. Tom, think about the the peripheral guys that may have been, you know, in previous eras, the, the type of guys that would have been sort of wastes. Think about who they are. We've got Guven Yalchin, Dorokan, and Muhaya Oktai so far, pretty much, right? Like, those are the young fringe guys that, he, that we've yeah. brought in. All of them are Sort of successes already by most metrics. So, yeah, I don't know. This, this, yeah, I mean, Muhair still has a, has a has a ways to go, but I mean, Dorokan's definitely already a success. I mean, we've we, his value has gone from like say two hundred thousand to seven eight million exactly. maybe. And I wouldn't be surprised if he still leaves this one. No, it's not impossible by any. And I think that would be I think that would be best for him and for the club, by the way, because I, you know, I think that we need a guy like like for example like a Rafinha. I don't, and I think selling Dorokan to like let's say I mean Udinese might not be the best club right now. I don't think I think they're having some stability issues in terms of the leadership of the club and all that. But I think like a club of that that stature, like a, let's say a Genoa. I think that would be amazing for Dorokan for, for his next step in his development. And I think he's kind of, you know, for what type of player he is, I don't think he has much left to learn in Turkey, even though he's only really played at the Super League uh, as a starter for six months or so. But I think he's already ready to move on. And we've seen that plenty uh, already from players uh, in Turkey. Like, let, let's look at Mercetin from Genshterbeli. He hasn't even played Super League and he's already off to AS Roma. Yeah. And I mean, the, the fact but, of the matter uh, yeah, is that Dorokan has, yeah. I, he's earned enough plaudits, you know, and enough press that I think uh, Mer, the, the Mer Jetin, Jetin stuff, the stuff like that actually bodes really well when you start to think about, you know, the, at least the prospect of there being interest for uh, Dorokan. I don't know if we're going to get the, the price we want from every everyone who's interested, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, the main thing as well is that, like, I'm just a little bit scared when it comes to Dorokan. I got the feeling he's a little injury prone. And maybe it's just coincidence that he got, like, that he had some injury problems towards the end of last season and then he's struggling now. But I don't like those. I don't like the the writing on the wall, you know? So I'm just, for me, it's kind of like, yeah, just get a good price for him now. Hopefully he'll, it'll be good for his career. But let's say he's going to be one of those players that's constantly in and out of one injury. Then we did a good job. I I, I don't think we're going to ever get like 15, 20 million for Dorokan anyway, even if he has a good season. So I think that if we can sell him for like eight or so, that would be great. Yeah, I mean... I'd counter that there's no way for us to get that money, but I, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think at this stage, I don't think eight is at impossible. At this stage, we definitely take what we can get, and uh, given the investments we've put in thus far this summer, it doesn't hurt to try to recruit some of that. Uh, and and again, yeah. it's a position of, especially if we get in a guy like Thiago Maia or whatever, like a, it could be a position of redundancy. Again, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, be opening a, a portal for Najib to jump through, but um, <laughs> but you know whatever we'll, we'll cross that road when we get there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
as far as a striker goes, I, I think it is kind of a need, even if it's really quiet right now about know, the striker, and it's, it's, think, it's, it's like you say, it's it's a need. So either they're really confident in Brock being back, which soon. I don't like. There was a picture uh, of him during the match, and he did not yeah. look too good. I'll be honest. Yeah, but he wasn't. What? What? Why? Why didn't he look good? Because he was he on was crutches. He like was wrapped up and on crutches, and just kind of looked like he was. He mm. wasn't. He was putting a lot of weight on the crutches, you know, more than like. It looked like he was still okay. not so good. As far as putting weight on his well, legs, maybe he's just not allowed to put weight on his foot for X and amount it's, of. And it's a picture, and... you know. Like he could have just been yeah. moving around. Like who knows? Yeah. Remember, uh, remember Jeremy Lentz looking like uh, like a fatty, and uh, he ended up being like the fittest guy on the training camp or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So I mean, couple of pictures. But anyway, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think regardless of whether Brock is back sooner than than we expect i think we need a striker anyway because uh, yeah i don't think and i would love for us to loan out guven with like a guarantee to play type of deal like we did with laren uh laren by the way playing starting every match result right now has played five games he has not scored yet he's gotten three assists already i believe and he's he's won like a he's won like one or two penalties and he's they're happy with him by the way so hopefully uh that means uh (laughs) (laughs) or he'll come back and become the next black eagle striker well i'm kind of i'm kind of hopeful that he's gonna do really well and that uh, there's other clubs gonna come in to try and buy him but they have the option to buy of course for like two and a half million so if if there's gonna be interest they're obviously gonna buy and then they're gonna be like oh yeah here sure buy him (laughs) but the main thing for me is just get that wage off the wage bill um because you know i I think we're gonna be putting some graphics out once the the, once the, the transfer window is done, but I think we'll, we'll be tweeting out some graphics that Egehan's going to make of uh, Bishlesh's current wage bill and stuff like that, because we've got some of the data. And uh, it's looking really good compared to last season. Uh, it's it's almost, right now, it's almost 20 million lower than it was last season. That's, that's a lot. That's like a, a 40% decrease or something of in our wage bill. No, I mean, it's been a... it's. We've we've all been Ali Naibid. That's all we can say. Uh, but so I can only I can only praise him. He's I think he's done an absolutely tremendous job. And it's it's it can get frustrating that we don't really know what's going on, who who we're in for, and stuff like that. But on the other hand, it's also kind of like because when the news then finally breaks, it it goes so quickly. It kind of feels like it's Christmas. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> Christmas morning, and you're just oh my god. And uh, no, he's just done a great job. I think it's the that's the right way to go. Keep it quiet as long as possible, uh, and and then just you know wrap it up. And and plus, I really like the fact that we're going for profiles. Oh really, my God, certain how did profiles. you know I now, wanted this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's uh, we didn't. And that's one of those things we didn't. I feel I felt like we didn't do in the past. Like we, you know, we'd lead, we'd need a striker, but. The profile of the striker, what well, do you need a target man? Do you need a poacher? Do you need this? Do you need that? Like, for example, when we got Wagner Love, that was not really the, the profile <laughs> we needed. No, but even let's say that Wagner Love was still like, uh, you know, in his prime, it, it still, still wasn't the, the, the profile yeah. we were really looking for uh, at the time. We needed Gomez. Damn it. Well, it's, it's about what the coach wants in his system. And I think right now, with with Sinon Gunish was Sinon Gunish wasn't really a, a, a system I don't coach. Think he knew what he wanted. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, but 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 Abdullah is really a system coach, so he really needs specific types of players for that to work. Um, you know, and that's why we appointed him. So I think it's more important than ever to get him the players that he needs. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I mean, let's say he's Avci is a total bomb doesn't work out and we get a new coach i think with the material that we've gotten so far any decent coach could do something decent yeah, with that and build with it man it's, it's young talent tiago maya if this if this really happens that 22 year old adding to this core it's just phenomenal man the work that's being done because uh, you're not just you're not just filling holes you're building you know you're building a foundation you're creating the the next generation like it's materializing in front of us it's, it's exciting to watch and the thing is is like if we had had this kind of summer last year, we could have had that same exact season. We could have finished even in fourth place. And we would have been like, ah, you know what? It's okay. We're seeing something come together. There's a vision. There's a, a pathway. We have a we have a direction now. You know? Yeah. Like, and yeah. That's why last year was kind of such a waste. Because not only are we Th not getting is... anything, but we're also not even building for anything. You know? So... This was this in one summer. We've kind of fixed a lot. We've, we've checked off a lot of boxes, so it's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, but and that's one of those things. Like, Uzjan uh, was asking me, like, do, don't you feel like uh, Rafinha is kind of like uh, we don't really need him? It's like luxury, and like in a way it is. But he's the type of player that if we don't get him now, we'd be going for him in the winter because it's gonna be a case of. Okay, our, our starting 11 is good. We have, let's say, uh, Thiago Maia, who worked out, hopefully, uh, and then Leitch and, and Olsen, and we have that midfield. But then we don't really have anyone to, if Leitch isn't there, to replace him. Like, look at look at our, 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 our squad. We, the only player we have who can replace both Leitch and Olsen is Muhair. And he had a very promising uh, training camp. But do you really want to put all your eggs in that basket no, i mean i'm not even particularly i think you need putting them in the ozone basket you know like because i feel like exactly i think that's how many people feel right now so i think a guy like rafinha isn't necessarily uh, a, a, a huge luxury i think we kind of need it but it all depends on how you look at it i mean do we urgently need no, it no yeah. we not urgently compared to what needed we needed a left yeah, back exactly. we urgently needed a left winger we urgently need a number six that's what we need right now but i i could see the 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 need within very near future for a, a, a Rafinha type. I mean, at the end of the day, I think any club would like, well, most clubs would, would, would could do with a guy like him. Um, yeah. Sissa. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we can let you go to sleep, Khan. <laughs> Your bedtime yes. has finally arrived. But so close us out, man. Twitter, uh, what do we have to look forward to? I guess let me quickly say before we part, but of course, we have another match coming up. This coming match is on Saturday. Uh, we're playing against Rizespor, which, as we all know, is not an easy match. We're playing at home again, though. So that's interesting. Two home matches in a row. But yeah, we're going to be playing. It's 2.45 p.m. here in New York City, which means it's another late one. It's the late night fixture in Turkey. Check your local listings. I'm not even going to do the math. 9.45, I think. Boom, there you uh, go. Khan steps up to the plate. Hits it out of the park. Yeah, but so... I'll just quickly check to be sure, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah, check your local listings. Uh, for, for, you know, 
for those on the east coast of the United States, I can definitely say it's at 2:45. Uh, which is, I love those games pers- personally. It, it means it's also going to be on uh, B in USA probably because most of the other leagues games have already finished by then. So. Yeah. Oh, and Sinan, and you found a very nice uh, piece uh, or, or, or video, I think, video uh, report on, on Tyler Boyd's uh, journey yeah, to Bishitesh, which people right. should check out in the States uh, on BN. Maybe add that to the description. Uh, yeah, and for those of you who, who can't watch it, use a VPN. Uh, set your location to New York so you can check it. So I'm still happy. I put it on YouTube. I hope. I don't know if BN has a YouTube channel. They should. That's super unprofessional. They don't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's a nice little segment where they kind of talk about his upbringing. Um, how, you know, it, it actually kind of explains the New Zealand USA thing a little more carefully, like clearly. It actually, uh, I didn't, I remember the Tyler Boyd episode very distinctly, but like I didn't even, I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware that his folks had actually been living in the United States before. Yeah, until he was, he was 10. No, but oh, even okay. before he was born, they, and then. They flew back yeah. just to birth him. Uh, he was then, born so, in New Zealand. Then they went back until he was 10. And then they went back to New Zealand. Exactly. So it's it's a wild story. But so, you know, it. it I still feel a little bad for New Zealand's national side just because he actually played for them. So they probably thought he'd been <laughs> locked up. They'd given him the number 10 even, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I certainly as as a Turk, Turkish Amer- American Turk, Turkish American, I don't even know how to go. But, uh, it's nice to have this connection Token. now, Ameriturk. Um, yeah, you know this connection to uh, club and country a little bit. You know where I still don't have a Boyd shirt, but you know when that day arrives, I'll, I'll be able to kind of, uh, you know, get some extra looks on that tur- on those grounds, I suppose, here in New York. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, nice little segment. Check it out. You could probably just type in "be in Tyler Boyd" and it'll it'll pop up. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe Sinan can put it in the show notes so you yeah, can uh, I'll put in a link check in the, it out. Yeah, exactly. And and for the Twitter handles, guys, just check just check the show notes. Don't make me say it. <laughs> uh, but you are there is one thing I, I have to say, which is go, go Mexicans! <laughs> We're back. We're back. We're back, baby. We're in it. Made it right. Still, hey, whoa. Couple more days and you know half time it last year. Everything will be clear next week. Uh-huh. Windows coming through closed finally. No more talk of transfers. You can focus on the transfer. Yeah. Indeed, and I can I can relax without having to do uh three player episodes. Yeah, we'll be hunting. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.